All right, we have a really special guest today, Christmas Abbott. You've been around not only the CrossFit community, but the greater health and fitness community for you know over what 10, 15 years now, isn't it? Isn't it strange huh. as we, we get older to think to ourselves how long we've been doing something? Yeah, it's kind of wild. Yeah, I've been um, in the fitness CrossFit community for almost 15 years, and like that's bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when people say, how long, have you been, how long have you been doing this? And you're like, wow, like most of my adult life, you were really the first, I would call it crossover star in the CrossFit world. Oh, thank you. I don't even know what that means. I'm not sure exactly what it means either. I think it just means you were able to take this idea of, hey, I'm really fit and attractive and a good coach. And what can I do with it? Where can I run with it? I guess so. Um, I think that I I would like to attribute my my like you know perceived business success because like I was just a freaking monster on the floor and people were like, look at that tiny little girl, and then I would outlift the girls that were bigger than me. I mean, I I get crazy in competition, so mm. uh, with competing and then my my athletic career. I feel like that really put me on the map. And then I ran with that. Like that was like, okay, I know that this is really short lived because let's face it. Like I wasn't a born, I wasn't born a natural athlete. Um, I didn't even start working out until I was 22. So I was just like, well, this is a gift and I'm just going to run with it. <laughs> I just so, took it and like went all out. <laughs> well, you know, that leads me to two questions. One, what got you to work out? At a as at a twenty two year old age, I mean that's that's late in your. I don't say that's late. People join CrossFit at forties and fifties these days, but for someone as fit as you are, what was the what took you so long? Um. Well, I I really I didn't do any high school or collegiate uh, athletics. I was actually like a really wild child. Um. Like I did lots of party. Like really really wild child and. I won't, I won't get into details of that because there's plenty of stories out there that explain that. And so I just knew I needed to change my life. I took a job overseas in Iraq as a civilian contractor during Operation Iraqi Freedom, the war. And I went over January 2004. And three weeks later, we had incoming come in. And I was like, what the heck am I doing? I was smoking. I was drinking. I was doing all the things. And I just knew that I needed to change my life. I didn't start working out right away. I ended up quitting smoking first, uh, which took a little while. You know, just like baby steps, but huge steps to a better uh, lifestyle. And, and that like eventually, later on that year, I found fitness. And then the very next year, 2005 is when I found CrossFit. So I have been doing it for 15 years. Whoa. Um, and I don't want to jump too far ahead yet, but you yeah. obviously have a huge impact on the female demographic out there, especially now with, with Loyal, your, your child, who happened to mm -hmm. also get you a little bit under the weather this week. So if she sounds a little bit stuffy, that's a mom yeah. thing, right? You're always dealing with, you know, <sighs> snotty babies. But yeah, you know, he gives me open mouth kisses and then coughs into my mouth. I'm like, there we go. All right. But you, but you love it, right? I love him. He's so funny. So, but my question is, do you think the fact that you had to quit something like smoking has made you a better coach for those women 
who maybe, you know, we sometimes forget how hard it is to be on a diet for, for people that have never done it. For sure. So I, I definitely, this is why I share my stories because I want people to extract the lesson that I learned and not have to go through the same trauma that I went to for that lesson. So if you're able to listen to me and be inspired in a way that you can change your life for the better without having to, you know, go participate fully in, in wrecking your life, then please, that's what I love. That's why I love sharing my story. Um, and I, and I really think that, um, there's, sorry, I think my Sudafed just kicked in. Um, <laughs> I don't want this. You always, you always hear about those interviews where like the celebrity uh -huh. is like drunk on air. I don't want that to, you know, to turn into this. Right yeah, now, so. yeah. <laughs> we're okay. Uh, and I think that what I love sharing is my relatability. And so when I, when I opened my gym and I started hiring coaches, they worked under me directly, but I hired coaches that weren't the best athletes. I hired coaches that loved to coach other people because their ultimate goal was to have the athlete be a better athlete than them. And when they have real life experiences, like having to lose weight, uh, like struggling with uh, real life shit and drama and trauma and coping, those are the people that I think that are going to always give it their all and they're going to get in the grid of things and you're going to see this grace from them that transition into your athletes and, and your people and your purpose. And so, yeah, I, I personally really prefer, and, and you know, not always, I think naturally talented people can understand the struggle. Um, but when you have that real life experience to be able to amplify and to relate to, then it takes you from a podium to a service position. So let, let's dive into that for a second. You've owned CrossFit Invoke, and we could talk about the, the sale of that in, in a moment. But when you're hiring mm -hmm. somebody, how do you figure that out, though? Because, you know, sometimes it might be a member of yours that you get to know. But other times, maybe you're looking to just hire a coach because you're so busy now. And you can't really ask, hey, what traumas have you been through in life? You know, you're not allowed to ask a lot of these questions at a, at a job interview per se. So right. what, what, are, what were some of the ways you can figure that out? So if a box owner is listening right now, they can take from that, okay, these might be questions I want to ask, or these might be things I look for. Because like you said, it's all about caring for, for these clients. But how do you determine that? Uh, I never hired outside of the community, meaning that you were a member at my facility and I was able to see your dedication, your consistency, your struggle within, the, within those walls on a regular basis. Um, and, and for me, my hiring process was not a, an all hands, anybody wants to come. I have a very rigid process, uh, much like HQ, um, where I would actually cherry pick some people and ask them if they were interested in coaching. We had an internship process. They had to do a minimum of certain hours of shadowing, a minimum of certain hours of actually active coaching. Um, they had to do a written test. They had to do a coaching test. And then after all those things were completed, which some of them had to go through that a couple times, then they were promoted to assistant coach. Assistant coach, same thing. Testing, um, hours given, consistency of showing up, um, consistency of of being involved in the community, and then you were promoted to head coach. 
it took from start to finish about a year and a half for somebody to go through this process to become a head coach. So I have zero churn in my coaches. The only time I lose a coach is when they move out of state. And I'm really proud after, you know, to date nine years, actually this is the 10 year that we've been open that um, I've had some of them go and open other facilities that have been successful. I mentor them during that process too. It's, it's not a what can you do for me mentality. It's how we can help each other. And I was with them, coaching them. We had coaches um, um, breakouts about once a month um, during internships. We had it once a week. We had a coaches retreat, much like HQ does, to bring solidarity to the group. You have to be in the process if you want to have your finger on the pulse. And if you think that you're just going to hire somebody through asking them a few questions and that they're going to rock star for you and be a, a great fit, you are terribly mistaken. You have to, you have to garden your garden in order to see the fruits of your labor. I get a little excited about this one. And, and I love it. I mean, that's what, that's what this is all about. I, you know, in, in my recent book, I talked about how when the first person left my gym, my first coach left to open. I did not handle that well, right? I lost my mind a little bit. Did you, yeah. did, you, did you have any moments like that? Or, or when, you, when your first coach told you they were opening their own box, was it just sunshine and rainbows? Or was there a little bit of anger there? Oh, I got blindsided my first. So I, I went against what my intuition told me. My intuition told me, open my gym myself. I had done everything 95% of it um, myself. And then at the last minute, because of fear, because of insecurity, because of, you know, some of these traumas that I hadn't quite dealt with, because I just didn't completely believe in myself. I allowed, um, I partnered up with this person. And within like within a year, uh, they went and they pulled the DBA. I mean, they did a lot of stuff behind the scenes. And I had a choice in that moment. So like, it was a, it was a, bad break, you know? Um, but in that moment I had a choice. I could close shop, which was on the table for me to consider. I could pursue them legally and sue them, which I had every right to be able to do. Like I had consulted a lawyer and, um, or third option, which a lot of people don't think about, I could double down on myself, which I should have done before. Right. So I'm correcting my mistakes from earlier and going back to my original uh, my original intu intuition is give back to my community, be there, mentor my coaches, mentor my athletes, and do the work and focus positive energy into my work. And I don't care what they say. I don't care what they're doing. I don't, you know, just remove yourself. Don't compare. Don't look outside of where you are. And I actually just posted about this. I'm like, look into yourself for your own light. You know, I had the answers. I was the solution. I just had to believe in myself enough to know that I could do that. So for me, it was, it was all, about, all about giving into the community, serving something bigger than you that is, that is going to fulfill you, um, fulfill your purpose. And that's often easier said than done, right? So <laughs> in, in reflection- It's the hardest of the, all the choices. <laughs> right. So- so say someone's going through that and it's very easy now in retrospect because you've been so successful to be like, well, you know, I wouldn't change anything because I wouldn't necessarily have this success had I changed it. But if someone is going through it, 
what are some of the things you would encourage them to do and 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 how would you help them change their outlook you know from this negative perspective to a positive one um so i'm really really big on core values and for me one of my core values is integrity and with that i wanted to look back and said whatever this process yields whatever this situation is going to yield i don't care what they're saying because like people say make crazy things they make up anything and like you want to you want your story to be heard you want to set the record straight the universe will give them their lessons the universe will enforce their lessons it is not your job your job is to hold your integrity and to serve your community. And so through that practice, you'll be able to always take the higher ground. It is not easy. It is the hardest of all of those options and it sucks in the moment. But I promise you, when you look back, you're gonna be like, I'm really proud of myself. It didn't come out the way that I thought it would or it came out better than I ever expected. That's not for you to determine, that's the universe to give you. That's God's choice, not your plan. And, and you just gotta, you gotta like for me, I had to stick to my guns of integrity and not proving that they were wrong and I was right. That's where a lot of people get down that slippery slope and they just end up getting into the mudslinging contest, which just costs you major money. It costs you your reputation and your community. It costs you so much more than you can see or put a money, a dollar amount on. So I, I really, really challenge people that like every day, if you start the day with gratitude, like thank you God or thank you whoever you wanna say to that to for this day and this opportunity and I'm gonna try my best today. My best may not always be good, but I'm gonna try and I'm gonna hold today with integrity and that means that I'm gonna hold myself to a higher level than they are. I've said that numerous times. I wholeheartedly agree with you on that. It's it's hard in the moment not to want to just like tell everybody this is what's really happening or this is the truth. But if you just sit back and do the right thing, the truth will always prevail. It does. And and maybe not in the way that you wanted it to, and maybe not completely. But here's the thing is that you know your truth. You don't have to speak it. You just have to practice it. So when you, when you talk about a gratitude practice, what does yours look like? So I've started this thing. So every morning I wake up and make my bed. And so I'm like, yeah, I've already accomplished something. I'm really big into to structure and schedule um, and accountability. And for my gratitude, I've been doing this day, thing daily where I write down something, not just like I'm grateful for, like I'm grateful for, you know, not being sick today. I, I specifically write down something that happened during the day that really brought me a moment of joy or that I'm grateful for, even like the hard stuff. Like I've had some, some like lessons that were really, really challenging and were not fun and I really didn't like them, but I'm grateful for them because they gave me the lesson that I needed at the time. So I write down specifically what happened and uh, you know, it just, it's, it's just one moment, like one little line. And so now I can look back and it, it really kind of helps me remember the year as it goes. But then like these tiny little moments create so much more positive thinking. And when you reflect on the good stuff, it's hard to get in the funk about the bad. 
Yeah, I, I love that. I love that you're doing something specific and you mentioned something like, hey, not being sick, but it's often something we do take for granted if we don't have a gratitude practice. Like you're like, oh shit, I'm sick today. Now I'm upset. But you didn't, you weren't grateful for the other 364 days that you weren't sick. Yeah. <laughs> but I really so, challenge people to get like really detailed with it. Um, and like a real big moment, like a moment. Let's take a slight turn here. Tell okay. me about, tell me about Christmas Abbott's journey <laughs> on, onto the CrossFit seminar staff. Oh man, I'll tell you, that was hands down a, an unrealistic dream come true. And, you know, like I said, I didn't, I wasn't an athlete in high school or college. And so like, I was, I was grossly out of shape. I hadn't ran a mile since my middle school and that wasn't even intentional, you know, like it wasn't even at an effort until I was 22. Um, and so, you know, people look at me now and they think that I was an athlete all my life and it's just not true at all. So were, were you just like one of those skinnier, leaner girls that just thought they were healthy because you weren't overweight? Yeah, but I also like smoked and drank all the time too. Like there was no question of I had a very bad lifestyle. So you you were you were skinny, so you weren't like, okay, I need to change my diet, but you also were highly unhealthy, doing a lot of bad habits. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, that was so, me. Yeah, quite the term, but again, I think that's what allows you to be such a good role model and coach because you've been there. It's like the trainers that gain weight on purpose. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. now you've been there, done that with a baby. So you can, you know, really understand that as well. But but sorry, go back to your seminar journey. Um so you know, once I discovered CrossFit, I, I was like immediately mesmerized. I fell in love with it upon first look, right? And like then I went to my seminar and coach Greg Glassman was coaching. Nicole was there. Dave was there. Like it was all like, you know, Andy Hindle is, I mean, all of the le legends. I was getting coached by coach himself. Just like 2006, 2007? 2007. Yeah. Is when I got my certification and uh, a certificate, excuse me. And oh, look at you. that's, that's the sign. Of a yeah, seminar staff it's member not right a certification there. and a certificate, <laughs> and and I just was in awe. And I remember going home, and my I was like, man, it would be amazing to be one of those coaches because I was coaching CrossFit at the time, but you know, I didn't ever think of myself as a coach until later. And he was like, you'll never do that. And I was like, well, okay. Um, a couple of years later. I'm in a different place. We're obviously not together anymore. And my friend, I've been coaching CrossFit, you know, regularly for a long time now. And my friend was like, Christmas, you should try out for the level one staff. And I was like, I laughed in her face. I was like, yeah, right. And she's like, I heard they're like, not hiring, but I heard that like, you know, they're bringing on interns. And she like really pushed me. And I was like, well, maybe. And then I applied and I, I couldn't believe it. They, they said, yes. I was like, they were like, okay, we will, we'll let you be in as an intern. And it's like the one-time trial. And I was like, what? It blew my mind. And he, here's the lesson here is try it. Like, I didn't know if I had the credentials. I had never been a coach before. I had never been an athlete before. And here I am, they're saying, yeah, we're going to give you an opportunity to show us what you know. And I studied. I like prepared. I took that as serious, more seriously than I took anything else other than like, you know, coaching. Uh, because it was my one shot. 
And I remember I had the best time of my life. I remember exactly how I felt beforehand. I remember the conversations that I had with Chuck that day. I remember one of the participants asked this absurd question and I looked at Chuck and I was like, was this really happening? And I remember- Do you remember this question? What was the question? Oh, it was a very bad question. I remember the question. I won't repeat it because it, it was just like very degrading to um, Greg Glassman. And gotcha. I, I was like, what? And I remember Chuck's very diplomatic response. He kept his cool, but he put her in her place. And I was like, this is amazing. And everything about that whole experience, I could literally write a whole chapter in a book about my one, my two days there. And, um, and the follow-up, you know, like it just, it was really something special. And I, I'm always so grateful for them taking a chance on me. So, so you were, for those listening, you in turn, you're typically under a flow master who in this scenario was Chuck. Do you remember <laughs> Chuck Carr? You know, everybody listening to this knows, knows him by Chuck, but yeah, yeah. Chuck Carr as well. Um, do, you, do you remember the feedback he gave you at the end of the, you know, so for those listening as well, it's like the, the weekend ends and whether you're an intern or a staff member, we get a ton of feedback, but especially when you're an intern and it's like, you're just sitting there waiting for yeah. the second half of the day to pass. Cause you're like, I'm done. I've done my job. Like I still need to be present and socialize with these people, but you've kind of done the big roles. You know, you've, you've taught a little bit, you've, you've shown what you got. What was his feedback to you that day? So this was the first internship. And so I wasn't even supposed to participate in any way whatsoever. And he threw me in the circle. He was like, all right, teach this. And I was like, all right. Um, you know, I love it because they're like, throw you in the fire, see how you're going to respond under pressure. And, um, you know, I had to know all of the things that you're supposed to know. And his feedback was that I had great energy. I had great connection with the participants that I needed to get them moving faster and more reps um, and tighten up that, that teaching timeline of points of performance and execution. And I was like, all right. And then he was like, you're going to be exhausted tomorrow. I hope you have a day off. And I didn't. I had to work 6 a.m. the next morning. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't understand how any coaches go from a seminar to the morning class the next day. Cause there's plenty of people that do it. And I need like a day not talking to anybody. Like I need to tell <laughs> yeah. my wife and she's happy with it if I don't talk to her for the day, but you know, it's like, I can't talk. So let me put you on the spot. <laughs> Christmas habit. All these years later, what's the medicine ball clean progression? Oh man. All right. So deadlift, deadlift shrug, slow, right? Deadlift shrug fast. Front squat, full, full uh, medicine ball clean. Close enough. Close enough. We'll give it to you. You skip the oh, shrug You skip the shrug I think. Oh, I think your presence yeah, and tired. attitude. Your presence and attitude will carry you through this internship, through the second internship, <laughs> and you'll still make staff. So, did you go from? Did you go from that seminar to being on staff or did you have to do a couple more internships? Um, they told me that there was going to be a minimum of three to five internships. And after my third one, I got a red shirt. I remember. How, many, how, how excited were you about, I mean, for, for so many of us that have made it onto staff, you know, that there's probably been about 300 in the world at this point. Right. And yeah. that's one of our defining moments. So you've, you've had of everybody, I mean, had some amazing things happen in your career and had a, had a child now, but been on television, best-selling books. Where does, where does making it on staff rank in, in your accomplishments? So I remember I, we had just gotten right over a hundred. So I was like 100 or 110 or 105. Um, 
And I, I, I mean, you could have told me that I just got accepted to Harvard. It was the first in my, I mean, this is so powerful. It makes me emotional. It it's the student It's the student No, I mean, truly, like it was the first thing that I ever applied myself to, applied for, and was really accepted because of the work that I had done. And it was, it, this, this is why I love the seminar staff so much is because they do not let just anybody in. You have to not only know your, know your shit, have a, have certain charisma, be willing to, you know, be in a service position. You're serving something bigger than yourself, like a bigger purpose. And it's, it's like this beautiful magic that each of the people that on staff have, like they are all rock stars in their own being. And I have so much respect for each and every one of them. And when I got that call or email really, and I was like, what? I read it again. I ran around the house. I just like, I flipped out. Um, I mean, it was, it was the first, like, you know, here's this girl that was just like a really big fuck up all of her life. And then, then I, I got accepted to, to something that meant a lot to me. That was all like at the core of my being. It was pretty legit. Definitely legit. You you were on <laughs> staff for must be about six or seven years. A couple of years. Um, I think I think around I don't know a couple of years. So you probably worked somewhere around you know fifty to hundred seminars in those years. Do you have a do you have a favorite moment that stands out from your time on staff? Oh, um, man, there's, I can like go through, I can almost remember every seminar. Isn't that bizarre? It is. That is very bizarre. Yeah. And I think we kind of remember bits and pieces and the boxes we've been to and maybe the trainer dinner. But yeah. Any, anything, whether it was a, you know, a Saturday night out with the crew or just a moment where you spend time with a participant, anything stand out? I mean, I loved the participants. I love the Saturday night social. It makes me, and, and I just, again, this, you know, me being an educator and love education is one of my core values. Seeing the people go, aha, like understanding it is really, really cool. Um, so we had, this is probably not the best thing to highlight, but um, I was working at a seminar in Miami Beach and Sarah Wilkerson got rabdo. Um, from, a, a, you know, a, you know, the heat, like a lot of things contributed to it. Um, and just sitting with her in the ER that night was pretty intense, but it was like, that's our family. And what I love about the seminar staff and no matter who you work with, it's, it's a connection. It's a, it's a family. And when one person goes down, they all go down and, so now we call her Sarah Willie Wilkinson Rabdo, and uh, but that was like, oh my gosh, that was like a decade ago. Um, but I, I just, I just love, uh, I love the, the the connection that everybody has. Yeah, it's really, funny. You know, there's just like tiny little, tiny little moments that like really wouldn't make sense if I was just like, yeah, this moment, and it's like, oh, well, that is not exciting at all. <laughs> But it, it makes sense to someone that's been there, and it's and the, those stories really transcend time because I've heard that story about Sarah, and you know, so it's it's funny how those stories that we all kind of pass along 
living living infamy, if you will. So you, <laughs> you, you, you retire from seminar staff, and that's really where, I mean, the Christmas habit that everybody knows take, takes off. The, I think the first thing you did was be, appear with the NASCAR crew, you know, in the in the pit, if you will, changing tires. Yeah, that was literally <laughs> featured on uh, Inside Sports and, and HBO, and then going on to to Big Brother. Right, as, as someone that doesn't watch a whole lot of television and a whole lot of reality TV, how accurate is Big Brother when it comes to like, hey, what you're seeing on TV is actually what happened in the house. Um. I mean, obviously it's not scripted at all because we, we don't, let me give you a little background on Big Brother. There's no connection to the outside world. And when I say no connection, there's no TV, there's no phone, there's no radio, there's no books, there's no um, internet, there's no computers, nothing. Like you are so, in a room by yourself. Like it, it's- They're making you a little crazy is what's going on. For sure. Um, and then like when you go into the diary room is the room that you talk to the camera. There's a camera there. There's not a person there. There's a voice that they talk to, but there's just a camera there. So you really kind of lose your mind. Um, I don't really know. I refuse to watch my season so far. It was just, I lived it. I don't need to see what production did with it. But there's, you know, if, if you know, production asks you certain questions. And when somebody asks you a question, you start thinking a certain way. So it's not scripted, but it's, Definitely kind of, it, I mean, yeah, I don't know, man. It's There's crazy. a push. There's a push yeah. there to get you to look. So do, what was your, if you had to pick one thing, you know, this crazy experience, you're on television, do you have one moment that you were like, okay, I can look back on this and, and be happy about? Uh, <laughs> I, I can tell you one moment that I would have changed my mind on. I would have not gotten that piggyback ride. <laughs> All right. So, so no, piggyback yeah. no piggyback rides. Now, a after this, you, you come out and you, I mean, you write a, an amazing book, Helping Women Transform with the Badass Body Diet. What inspired you to, to put together a book about nutrition? <laughs> um, since I, you know, since the beginning at 22 and I wanted to do something better for myself, I started researching food and different diets and using myself as a guinea pig. And so, you know, I found the zone diet. I found the paleo diet. I found, uh, eliminate like all of them. I tried all of them and I just made a log of which one made me feel physically well, which one made me feel emotionally well and which ones didn't. And so I found that like when I ate really, really clean, you know, just, so basically I, I created, I did what CrossFit did with workouts or exercises. I cherry picked what worked for me really well and left what didn't. And, and so I create, and I did that for myself. And then years later, specifically during NASCAR, um, in my competing days, they, that people kept emailing me, what is your diet? What do you do? What's your nutrition? And I was like, well, don't people know. And I'm, I'm just assuming that because I'm so late to the fitness game that everybody knew this stuff. And I was like, like just giving, giving them information. They're like, well, why'd you just say that? Cause I already know it's silly. Um, and I realized that they didn't. So I, I started to put together a seminar and then that spawned the book and the book was, uh, amazingly a national bestseller. I mean, isn't it crazy to go from this 
teenager who's living this, you know, pretty chaotic life to a best-selling author? Did, did I mean, at, at 22 years old before finding CrossFit, where did you think your life was going versus where it's actually gone? Uh, I knew some of the, I mean, a lot of the reason that I changed my life is because I knew that I was going to end up making a decision that killed me. Um, I was, I saw a look at my future and I didn't like it. It scared me. And so I didn't know what needed to be changed or how it needed to be done. And so I just started making different decisions and that's how I found fitness. That's how I found CrossFit. And through that decision process of always wanting something better for myself, I was able to really make this incredible, very dynamic life. And I don't even want to say career because it's my life. Like, I love it. And uh, no, I look back and had I been 22, known where I, knowing where I was going to be now, there's no way that I could have wrapped my head around it. And I, I, I definitely wouldn't have believed you. But I'm, I'm just so grateful for that shift and that decision to, to be disciplined instead of just um, wild, you know? Well, and, and, and as you've settled down, you now have Loyal, your, your, your baby boy. How has that impacted your life? I mean, like you just said, I think for a lot of people listening, their careers are who they are. I mean, you and your job and your career is all the same when it comes to who Christmas Abbott is. How has having a baby changed all that for you? You know, I, I, it, it hasn't changed my purpose. You know, I believe that my purpose is still the same as to, you know, through my experiences, help people extract the lessons so they can see their light and their potential and live their best selves and like really create who they want to be. And, and so like my, you know, I'm the conduit, but one of my favorite tools is fitness and nutrition and health and wellness, right? Those are just tools that I'm using to help speak to people so that others, I, I love to educate and elevate. Those are two of my core values. And that's my purpose. I'm living my purpose through my core values. And I want to, with, with being able to now have a, a little human that looks at me and examines every single thing that I do, who I am, how I interact with him, how I interact with the world, nothing changes in that. And that makes me really proud that I've been on my purpose. And, and because of that, it didn't change. Now my, my process has changed where before I was traveling three out of four weeks of the month, I was working 12 to 15 hours a day, seven days a week. I mean, people think that this was an overnight sensation and I'm like, this is 15 years in the making. Uh, so I really, I really love doing what I'm doing, but I'm, I'm just smarter. I say no to a lot more stuff. I say yes to only what allows me that um, time with my son and my family. And I have a much healthier life-work balance. I, I think one thing that I really appreciate about you is you've not shied away at all from showing off your new mom body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and don't get me wrong. You still look amazing. And anyone that would look at your pictures still thinks, you know, Christmas habit looks, looks beautiful. But what challenge has that been for you and, and for other women that a, that a man like me maybe couldn't understand? 
For sure. I mean, listen, I'm a, I'm a really, I still stand on, we get one body out of this life, one body. And I want to preserve mine as well as possible and not beat it up as, you know, like beat it up in my workouts. Right. But like uh, in a positive way. And my body made a human. That's, that's pretty incredible, right? That's like when you stop and think, that itself is amazing. It's incredible. And I think that it's so easily overlooked because it's, it's pretty common, right? But I grew a human inside of me. They pulled that nine-pound baby out. And then I'm supposed to expect that my body's going to be like it was before that happened. Like, I have to have a serious check with myself. and. I, I, love my, I love my physique before because my body did what I asked it to do. The physique was a byproduct of my work. My work was me pushing and like training because I'm an athlete. And so now why wouldn't I respect my body even more because it did something even more extraordinary. And, and so like, yeah, there's some days where I'm like, ooh, ooh, man, but I'm like, and I look at that little guy and I'm like, worth it, worth it. <laughs> and so now it's just, I have to love my body the way that it is and I have to take care of it. Um, and you know, it's, it's just different. It's just different. And when I first got pregnant, I was like, you know what? I know that this is going to be way out of my control. So I'm going to go ahead and relinquish that mindset. Now I'm going to allow my body to be what it needs to be to do this job. Because right now my job is carrying this child. And, and then that's it, you know? You get a little wear and tear when you do something like that, and that is okay. And what honestly, if you're gonna mom shame me or like not think that I have a, you know, like some guy was like, they, they put a comment, they're like, um, I wish more women would do what you did post baby. And I was like, you are missing the point, dude. Like, shame on you, shame on you. Every mother's recovery is different because with the day that my child was born, I was born as a mother. And that is a very, very, like, you have to respect that process. And not everybody has the same recovery. I had a really traumatic pregnancy. My body, I gained 60 pounds. I had a failed delivery, C-section. I mean, it was bad. So I have to like give myself a little love and forgiveness and, and like a let it, let it be as it is. And so like, I'm going to take my time. I'm going to do this the healthy way to get, I, I, I didn't say, I would always say, I don't want to bounce back. I want to build forward with my body as a mom. Having been across a competitor, is, is birthing a baby, for, you know, being a man, something I'll never do, is that the hardest workout you can ever do? You know what? Oh man, I, I mean... Yes. Uh, I have to say that like between training for the games, training for nationals and weightlifting, NASCAR, the, the mental tenacity that all of those take and the physical demand that all of those take could not prepare me for having a child. And, and when I say that, I mean, like I was in labor for 13 hours before we decided to do a cesarean the cesarean, like I was like convulsing and I looked over at the guy beside me and I was like, do you mind tying my arms down? And, and the guy looked at me like, what? I was like, I need to be restrained because it hurts more. Just like I'm, I'm in such pain. Like, 
And then they wanted to knock me out. And I was like, I don't want to be asleep for this. Like, I want to be as present as possible. And they're like, this bitch is crazy. <laughs> so um, I just, it's, it wasn't like physically it was painful, but it, it was just like the mentality of pulling a human out of your body. That's, I don't know. That's crazy. That's wild. I still can't even believe it happened. <laughs> Did, so all of your training though, do you think that helped you? overcome i mean we we just recently watched my wife and i there's like a documentary on netflix about you know sex explained and, and part of it is all about giving birth and how women will sometimes have drugs and some women don't want it but do you feel like you're training <laughs> obviously you go to a c-section you have to have some sort of drugs they're cutting you open but prior to that did your training help you get through a lot of that yeah so my training like definitely like i was good. I was golden. I was ready to do it all. Um, and then, uh, like I, I stayed in the game and I'll tell you, so like, it gives you a little bit of details. So I was at, it was in labor for at that time, 13 hours. And I was only, um, I had been at seven centimeters for five hours, meaning that like I had stopped, I had stopped like trying to give birth and the fact that you have to get to 10 right before you can deliver and then this you is news pushing. to me this is news to me so yes okay to get to 10 yeah so you have to open up to 10 and then you actually start pushing and pushing can be two hours to 24 hours like it's it's crazy and we were already at 13 hours and i wasn't even like close and it, it was like a mental shutdown i just started crying i was like what in the world um but like the, the doctor was like, this is abnormal. Like your body's not like your body's rejecting him coming through your birth canal. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And she's like, it's okay to have a cesarean. So we had a cesarean and I'm really fortunate that we made that decision because he would have gotten stuck. She was like, there's no way that this kid was going to fit. Um, we would have, he would have gotten stuck and we would have had to do an emergency cesarean anyway. Uh, so it's, it's like, it, I don't know. It, it was so much at the time that I don't even remember how painful it was. Post delivery for my cesarean was more painful than I remember the actual delivery. Well, so like for a month, I could I couldn't even sit up by myself. I mean, they cut your abs open basically, right? They cut through your abdominal wall. Yeah, and they cut it different ways, and so like you're basically like getting sliced from hip to hip. And then like, okay, cool. Go home, take care of a baby. <laughs> what? Yeah. I, I myself was a C-section and then I watched that documentary and I had no idea what my mom had been through. And I'm like, holy shit, mom. Thank you for doing that. Like letting, you know, a doctor cut you open and go through all of it. It's amazing what you moms do is what I'm trying to say. It's just, the more you get to know it, it's just like, wow, this is truly incredible what women go through to have human beings come That's out of their body. I, I agree. Like it, it still like makes me in awe. Like what I'm really in awe of like women do do natural childbirth, even regular vaginal childbirth. I'm like, I kind of got a freebie here um, in a weird way. Uh, you know, it just, I just find it fascinating and terrifying. <laughs> so I, I want to let you go. I, I know you've got, you know, got a ton to do, but before I let you go, I want you to tell me a little bit about, your new app that you have coming out? So um, I'm really excited about this. It's more, you know, it's obviously like really 
diverse, fun workouts, uh, a nutrition plan based on, you know, that is sustainable. It's not a diet. It's a nutrition plan that you can apply for the rest of your life. It's the way I've been eating for the last almost 15 years. And then also, you know, mindset. I've talked a lot about goals, uh, not goals. I'm sorry. I talked a lot about core values and understanding the difference between core values and priorities and structuring your day, structuring your schedule, just things to keep you, not only to get you on track, but to help keep you on track and keep you accountable. And I'm really, really excited about it. Um, you can get it at, you can find it at christmasabbat.com or just head to my Instagram at christmasabbat. Pretty easy to cyberstalk. Yeah, you can find, people always ask, how do I find you? It's like, just Google, you'll find Christmas everywhere. <laughs> you've, you, you've mentioned core, core values a handful of times though, and you've mentioned yours being educate, elevate, integrity. Is that something people will be able to do within the app or do you have a place that you recommend? Because just telling someone, hey, find your core values, where would they begin? Yeah, so uh, that's actually a process that we go through in the app. Uh, when, you, when, you, when we start one of the programs um, during the onboarding session, it's like we go through your core values and I tell you how to, you know, because people are like, oh man, I, can't, I explain how to, how to like, get down to 10 and then get down to six and then maybe your top four or five. And what's cool is that these are the things that you want to be integrating into your day every day. And these are the things that help you find and stay on your purpose. And these are the things that really define who you are and what kind of legacy you're going to leave. And like, if you're making decisions, they should be made through your core values. And so I walk you through that process. I don't want to go back too far, but I forgot to ask you one question. Yeah. What, what did you crave when you were pregnant? Like what food, being that you're so into nutrition, what was, you know, you always hear these stories of ice cream and pickles, but what did Christmas Abbott crave during pregnancy? Oh, lasagna and lemonade. I would, oh man, I would order two plates of lasagna. Like I would go out to eat. I gained 60 pounds. Now remember on a 120 frame, 60 pounds is that's 50 percent of your body weight you're legitimate yeah. yeah um and so i would order two plates and like i just could not help myself i was not in control like i was like feed me and i had a friend doctor look at me and goes you know christmas you only need 300 extra calories a day during your pregnancy and i would have decapitated him if i could have um yeah I would like, have don't don't yeah. tell me what to do doctor Listen, guys, never say, oh, any day now, because I was six months pregnant. And people were like, oh, you're having twins, but you almost do. And I'm like, get out of my face. I was huge. <laughs> and, but I would eat, two, like, I would order two meals. And I loved lemonade and lasagna or pastas. And they'd be like, oh, do you want one for to go later? And I was like, no, I want both of them now. Um, and, and I'm not saying that what I chose was the best. I ate pretty well, like, honestly, most of the time. But then I would have like every other day or every day or something like that, a little pasta and lemonade. I just couldn't, I really couldn't help myself. And I was honestly like, you know, I'm not easy. Like, I don't like it when women use the excuse of like, oh, I can eat whatever I want now. I'm like, this is when you need to be the most nutrient conscious is right now. But you also yeah. need to allow yourself to have those cravings. Just don't let the cravings turn into a, like a cripple of you being lazy and and passive about your decisions no different to your everyday life right enjoy life have some <laughs> lemonade and 
and lasagna once in a while, but make sure 90% of the time you're eating well. Yeah. And I did, but I just like, I, I retained weight. I retained water. I blew up like, whew. well, you've bounced back. You look amazing. You're, you're changing the world still before <laughs> letting you or letting you get off this call. You know, one real lesson that I try to preach to all of our listeners and anyone I come in contact with is really, you have to do what you're passionate about. You have to do what drives you. And I think sometimes the mistake people make is looking at someone like you and being like, oh, Christmas, you know, she's just attractive and she made it overnight. And it's been, you know, 15 plus years in the making. So if you would, just can you, for 30 seconds, tell the listeners out there how they can go about changing their lives. Because they look up to people like you and other games athletes and authors and, you know, celebrities out there on the internet and think they can't do it, but you've been able to do it. Yeah. What What is something they can do, whether it's start right now or what advice would you give to them if they're looking to make a real deal, permanent change, you know, 180 in their lives? I, I love this. And this is exactly what my app is about. Um, but one, sit down, know what your core values are, know what you stand for in life, know what you want to leave your legacy to be. And that should be wrapped up into the same, right? Love the process. I got to do these extraordinary things because I love the process so much that it actually just kept building more opportunities. And I didn't see something and then reverse engineer the goal. I just, I did what I loved. And through that process, these things came and I said yes to them because the things that I said yes to were in line with my core values. So you, you see how all of this is connected. And honestly, just, I, I love the, um, there's this book that I read recently that was like, give 1% more each day. And, and so don't just do enough. Go a little bit beyond or go a lot beyond. But if you do just a little bit more each day, you know, make your bed each day. Uh, stick to your schedule a little bit more each day, then you will find yourself in an exceptional place. Well, thank you so much. You have certainly found yourself in an exceptional place. It's been amazing to watch your your growth, you know, primarily via Instagram at Christmas Habit, but to see all of you, all that you have accomplished for someone like me, where it's just like, you know, doing something very similar to you and it's possible. It truly is possible. And you, you've lived that life, and I hope people check you out, whether for the first time or for the hundredth time. Download the app. You said it'll be out you know, it, towards the end of February, but go check that out. Check out our books, and just check out everything about Christmas Habit. We appreciate you coming on. <laughs> we appreciate you coming on Best Hour of Their Day. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. And thanks again to our special guest. We appreciate all you guys do for us with Best Hour of Their Day when it comes to sharing our posts on Instagram, when it comes to subscribing to us on YouTube, when it comes to the constant feedback. We are grateful and we appreciate it. We are trying to build a community based on coaching development and becoming the best version of yourself. And it goes without saying that we couldn't do without all of you. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Season one of Dropping In is out. We are getting tremendous feedback and we'd love for you to check it out. Leave us a comment on there. Head over to our Instagram. 
Give us a follow, like our pictures, feel free to share anything that resonates with you. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or feedback for us, please don't hesitate. Email us day at gmail.com. Thanks again. Until the next episode, we hope you've had the best hour of your day.